Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Praise the Lord Jesus. Matthew 6, 22 to 23. One, two, three, let's go. The Bible says, the light of the body is the eye. Uh-huh. If therefore, then I be single. Uh-huh. Full of lights. Praise the Lord. 23rd verse. But if your eye is what? Mm-hmm. In you. That is your conscience. Is what? Mm-hmm. Let's read the message. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. If you leave, uh-huh. what a dark life you'll have. Hallelujah. Now, for some of you who remember very well, I explained the meaning of your eye being single. I meant that that is a place where you see by truth, right? Your eyes is full of truth. It fulfills the purpose office. It is true. The good fulfilling its office. It is single. It's whole. It is complete. There's nothing that wants to it. Praise the Lord. But the Bible says, but if your eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. And it says, if therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is darkness? It's possible to have an eye full of light, but yet the light in you is darkness. But you, you're saying, oh, but I carry light. I'm illuminated by the Spirit of God. I see. And yet it is full of darkness. It's full of darkness. But when Jesus says, if therefore the light that is in thee, it means there is a definition of a light that is actually darkness. By God, there is a definition of light that is actually darkness by God. And there is a definition of light that is absolutely light. Praise God. Now, when you read that scripture, your head tells you, ah, let me see. I think the light, darkness, I think they're talking about the other guy. I think, I can imagine, I think he's talking about the other sister. But many times we don't examine ourselves. Remember in the verse before that if your eye is full, if your eye is sound, you know, he says, your whole body will be full of light. Your whole body will be full of light. Who remembers in Genesis when the serpent comes to Eve? You remember that time? And he tempted Eve and Adam to eat the forbidden fruit. The serpent said that God knows. He knows in the day that you eat thereof, your eyes shall be open and you shall be as gods. Are you listening to that? He said he knows 
He knows. God knows. Now, this is what amazed me. Studying the Hebrew language there, the word there was not eyes, plural. The word there was I, one eye. You understand what I'm saying? The Hebrew language uses the word I. If your eye shall be open, he knows. The devil says, your eye shall be open. Your eye shall be open. I'm going to explain that because it's deeper than you think. So when the Bible says that God knows, this is the serpent. Now imagine he's tempting man and woman. So he says, God knows that in the day thereof you eat feet, then your eyes shall be open. You shall be like God's. Now, when I say that it's not eyes, it's actually eye. If you go and study, you realize it's actually eye. Um, how many of you have heard of something called the third eye? In the secular world, there's a concept that is used and it's called the third eye. And it's literally in many secular religions of the world. It's called different names by different groups. Hinduists, Buddhists, some call it the all-seeing eye, some call it the third eye, some uh, clairvoyancy. Many of the belief systems of this world, Taoism, all of that is simple. They believe in opening the, the eye. All of those religions believe in opening the eye. Buddhists open the eye, Hinduists open the eye, Confucianists open the eye. Majority of religions of this world, many of them have that concept somewhere in doctrine. You understand what I'm saying? And if you find somebody whose third eye is open, it is really open. It's really open. They can see in the spirit. They can walk in the spirit. They have out-of-body experiences. They have many, many things. If you find somebody who really has had the third eye opened, it's amazing the things they can see. One time I saw a video of a certain Indian guy. He trained a little girl to start seeing by the third eye. And uh, they could tie a cloth on this little child's eye and they put a newspaper in front of the child and what does she do? She reads it. Just like that. She could literally read everything. She could walk on the streets with closed eyes. How old was she? About 11, 12? And so people pay. I saw one time on the internet, guys were paying about $10,000 just to open the third eye. As in, you go pay, they train you, so you go through many processes. Even the yoga guys do it, you know, meditation. But at the end of the day, their intention is that if the eye is open, that particular eye, of course, psychologists call it the pineal gland. Behind the head, they say that it happens to be a certain gland that connects with the human being, but then can connect with a world that is unseen and therefore can help it predict things that are not seen the other side, but can come to this world, and then they have a psychological mind to it. But whatever name it is, even the new age, the other day I was hearing some guys calling themselves that they have been awakened to a higher conscience. You've heard of those guys. They say they are awakened to a higher conscience. Some call it extrasensory perception. But it's not in scripture. There as he is from another world. You understand? And that is why the Christian must know the difference between truth and accuracy. Some people think that whatever is accurate is true. Do you understand what I mean? You remember the lady with the divination spirit? You remember that girl? Read it. Wonderful. Let's go. Uh-huh. The same followed Paul and us and cried saying, that's Acts 16, 17. These men are the servants of God. Uh-huh. Which do what? The way of salvation. Uh-huh. 
And this she did many days. You can imagine. Now, imagine I was a servant of God seeking to be qualified. In the time when they're saying, this guy is a cult. <laughs> and then this spirit comes along and says, these are the servants of the Most High. Imagine, put yourself in that position. They're saying, you're not a servant of God. Paul is being beaten in different cities. He's being opposed. The high priests say that he's blasphemous. And in that time, a woman comes out, and the Bible says she brought her masters much gain. <laughs> Through what? Should say. Meaning that she was never wrong. Never wrong. Never wrong. Do you understand what I'm saying? She brought her masters what? Much gain. And every time she would come on the man of God, she would prophesy truth. Accurate. But there was a place in the man of God to sense that this is not the spirit by which God ministers. It's speaking truth, but it's not true. Do you understand? At what level then do you qualify that? Because in her, it should have been a light. That's why I told you some of them, they call themselves the illuminated ones. They live a higher life of conscience. The eye. It's open. So I see some religions, they put red things on their heads, what? It's all an eye issue. Some meditations, you see guys starting here, they're trying to awaken their eye. When you realize they start walking in the spirit realm, you realize the gates start to open. The gates start to open. Certain signs start to come in. But my point is, in that situation, this girl would have passed for a prophet. And we say, eh, this woman, who told her? Because the same Jesus did it one time. And they said, I perceive that thou art a prophet. So we can say that there was something on this girl, but there was another different spirit at work in the life of this child. Now, many Christians don't even know the difference. They don't even know the difference. Somebody can open themselves to another world without even knowing that they have opened themselves to another world. And they function under something that they call the Holy Spirit told me. I saw it in the spirit. But at the end of this, you realize is at a particular point, the check in there is, there's an end of madness. If the eye is not true, the doctrine will be wrong. If the eye is not true, even if I'm accurate, I'll not be ministering by the spirit of truth. When the Bible says that God knows that if your eye opens, you'll be as God's. Do you realize that the guys of the new age feel they have their own version of God's? Not as according to scripture. And that is why they say everybody thinks that way. But you see, they are copying biblical principles and using another source to minister. Are we together? Now, many of us have read 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. 14. It says, Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Now, do you realize that what there is not transforms himself into an angel of light? No. He is transformed into an angel of light. They're referring to that world. In that world, he is an angel of light. Do you understand? Somebody can even say, ah, I had an angelic visit. And an angel of the Lord came and told me, see, the devil is not stupid. He's not stupid. He's not going to come like a guy with funny horns. No. And a red face. And a big eye and nose. And no, 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 no. He's not going to come ugly. But now you see, if the Bible says that Satan himself is transformed into the angel of light, 
Do you realize how much he loves light? He loves light so much that he loves to be transformed into an angel of light. Now, imagine a situation where a brother or a sister begins his story and says, the angel of the Lord appeared unto me this day and told me. You understand? An angel appeared to Cornelius. That would be true. Angels have appeared all through the scriptures. That is all true. You understand? The beginning of Islam was a revelation of an angel appearing to Muhammad. Now, how do you tell the difference that this is the angel of the Lord or this is another angel? Do you think that you're going to have the seven ways, seven signs to look and know that this is the angel of the Lord and the 17 ways to know that he's not the angel of the Lord? No, it's not there. The qualification is of the spirit. It's of the spirit. Look at this light. A man looks at Jesus in a certain light. And after looking at Jesus, he says, this guy is a prince of devils. He saw Jesus. And he got a revelation in the spirit. A man by a certain eye looked at Jesus. Do you think he was lying? No. He was speaking exactly what he saw in the spirit. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. He was saying, I saw in the spirit. One guy, I don't know whether it was, was it C.H. Spurgeon or D.L. Modi? He said that if there was one gift that the Lord should have left out in the body of Christ was designing of spirits. It doesn't mean he didn't want it. It only means that it has created some of the most confusing things in the body of Christ. The Lord showed me. Look at your lives. Somebody comes and says, God showed me. And you're like, wait. <laughs> and they are convinced that the Lord did what? And you can debate all your life all you want. They'll tell you me when God shows me. I know that it is God. Marriages are failing because of that. Relationships are failing because of that. Businesses are failing because of that. The Lord showed me that I go for this business. Why did it fail? Oh, I had a dream. Da, 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 da. Why did it fail? Okay, if you saw, why did it fail? Let me tell you, the devil can put you on a very, very accurate step-by-step -step process that can prove to you that God is speaking. There is a way the Bible says that seemeth rightful to every man. But the end of it thereof is what? Deception and destruction. Do you think it's stupid? Look at the temptation in the Gospels. The devil comes to Jesus and tells him, if thou art a son of God, if thou art a son of God, turn these stones into bread. Wait a minute, wait a minute. The devil was in heaven. He knew that this was a son of God. He knew. On the day of baptism, he knew that this was a son of God. He knew. So, you think that he was fighting identity. He wasn't fighting identity. He wasn't fighting identity. He knew who he was. The Bible says, Jesus says, I beheld Satan fall from heaven like a lightning. Jesus was there when Satan was falling and Satan was cautious that Jesus watched. He was cautious. So, don't think he was not, sus he was just suspecting. Listen, Satan is a spirit. There was no way Jesus could be hid. In him was light. He could not meet the guy and not know that this is not a guy from darkness. He knew. You remember the guy who gave a testimony from Mauritius? This devil worshiper. The guy has been worshiping the devil since 22. He saw me demonstrating power. The power of God hits him for 30 minutes. He gets up and he says, I knew this was a man of the light. They sense, they know that you're a man of the light. They know it. You don't even need to do anything. No, look at Jesus walking. He finds demons. Demons look at him and say, what do you want with us, son of God? They know. They know who you are. So I don't think Jesus could be filled with the life of God. And then he comes next to the devil 
And the devil can't know that this is another sin. He knew. But he was dealing with a trick of disqualifying a man yielding to lower truth, not knowing higher truth. That was the trick there. That is why the first time he says, turn these stones into bread, Jesus quotes a scripture. The Bible says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that what? Proceeded out of mouth. Next verse. And the devil taking him up in a high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment. And the devil said unto him, all this power will I give thee and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me and to whomsoever I will give it. Now, I want you to note that when the Bible says that is delivered unto me, there is a certain right the devil has on the earth. And that is the qualification of his transformation into the angel of the light. He didn't transform himself. No, he is transformed. He has the right to appear as a transformed entity. It's a right. Yeah? And what does the next verse say? If thou therefore worship me, all shall be thine. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Sidon. For it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shall thou serve. And he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, If thou be the son of God, cast thyself down. And then he quoted scripture. Next verse. For it is written. You see, the guy said, okay, you want to go word? Let's go word. You see, I tell people, the Bible says the tempter. He didn't say the devil. He says the tempter. One which comes to disqualify you because either you're not knowledgeable of your nature, particularly. And therefore, because of your understanding, your revelation, you see, it's one thing to say, I'm a child of God. But it's another when you disqualify yourself by how you respond to circumstances. That's called temptation. That's why the Bible says, and the tempter came. He called him the tempter here. He didn't call him Satan. He didn't call him the devil. He didn't call him Lucifer. He called him the tempter. Why? Because he wants to change your thinking, your feeling, and your judgment. Not your nature. He knows who you are. If Jesus had turned stones into bread that day, he would have fallen under the spell of the devil, because God tempteth he no man with evil. You understand? Now, this is the thing. How many have turned stones into bread to prove they are sons of God and the devil clapped because they did exactly what he wanted them to do because they didn't know a higher truth. Let me do something to prove I'm a man of God. And then the guy does it and then he walks out of the way of the spirit of revelation. And before you know that, you're qualified, sir, but you're disqualified by truth. And the devil says, yeah, <laughs> he's anointed but disqualified. And you can stay anointed and disqualified. That's why the issue is the flesh issue. Paul says, I beat my flesh to subjection. Because the true weakness of the flesh is a lasting. And sometimes a man can last over the anointing. They can last over power. They can last over gifts. And you realize that you don't have divine purpose in it. It's just, I want this because I also want to prove that I have this. Therefore, let me do this and then prove to people, even me, I can heal. Even me, I can cast out devils. Even me, I can demonstrate. Even me, I can prophesy. And then you get into their heart and you realize there's a lust. It's a fleshly issue. It's not qualified to divine purpose. No, it is entirely on a man's life of selfishness just to fulfill his lust. And if God has to help you that day, he will refuse to turn stones into bread. That is love. And the child of God then doesn't understand that degree of chastening. Because chastening is not physical. God doesn't chastise our bodies. He's a spirit. He chastises spirit. And that's why many people can't receive chastisement. Because they don't understand the mature ones of God. It says for as many as are led. But the mature ones, not the babes. That maturity in God 
chastises your spirit to tell you, woman, you were doing something stupid I could not let you do. The issue here was the devil wanted you to do this because he knew once you do that, he'll quote and say, wait. Isn't it written? So why did you do this? He's crafty. He's not stupid. Some people think the devil is stupid. No, he's not stupid. Everything in this world is an illusion. You see what he wants you to see. You hear what he wants the world to hear. That's why your televisions are programs. They're programmed. Media. The goddess. Media. That's what you call it. Many of you, if you look through your world, you realize it's not really what it is. It is what you've been taught and what you have learned or what you've adopted over the years or what you've been shown to be it. That's a total sum. Many people live a very deceived life in salvation. Very deceived. Very deceived. So it's easy for Satan to create an atmosphere to make men in the world think a certain way because he knows he has them in captivity, exactly where he wants men to be. Let me tell you, many people in this world are struggling because they've seen with the wrong eye. Many people. Look at the guys of the New Age who say they have an all-seeing eye. You cannot lie to them. They will say, I saw you. That is why Jesus one time is dealing with a man because he knew that time will come. And then he says, but I saw you under a tree in the morning when I was praying. And the man says, huh, how knowest thou that I was under the tree? And Jesus laughed. <laughs> and he said, you feel that's a mystery. No, no, no. It's not that it wasn't good. It was wonderful to see the man under the tree. But Jesus had a bigger picture. He says, because I said unto thee, that I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou. He says, thou shall see greater things. He didn't say more things. He said greater things. Let me tell you, there is something greater than seeing a man under a tree. It's wonderful. We all see men under the tree. But there is something greater in God than seeing a man under a tree. This is eternal life. That you might know the one true God and his only son, Jesus. Am I saying it's wrong? No, it's wonderful to see in the spirit. It's wonderful. But don't end on the tree. Don't end on the tree. Go deeper. Don't end seeing the person eating food. Go deeper. What is divine purpose? Look at how God is dealing with men in the Old Testament. Yes, Jeremiah, what do you see? The guy says, I see a sycamore tree. He saw a tree. Okay. And God tells him, you've seen well. Eh, eh, look at that. He just saw it a tree. It appeared. And God said, you've seen well. Then he shows him a pot. What do you see? I see a pot boiling towards the north. Yes, you've seen well. Now the tree represents the children of Israel. The pot represents the judgments that are coming. The da, 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 da. So God starts to connect the tree and the pot. What happens in the end of it? Divine purpose. Divine purpose. Whether it's prophecy, pastoring, teaching, evangelizing, whatever it is, apostleship, it all is there for one thing perfecting the saints for the work of ministry to the edification of the body. It's good to see you under a tree, but I need to edify you above that tree. What did God call you to do? Why are you called to be a pastor? How far have you gone with your pastoral ministry? How far have you gone with your calling and election? What are the transitions of that calling? How do you understand that place from the call to the elected ones? What are those things, the steps, the patterns that are taught in scripture? How much have you gone into these things? How holy have you given yourself to these things? Men of the world, when they're meditating, they empty their minds. 
The scriptural teaching of a meditating spirit is opening your spirit for the word. That's called meditation. We don't meditate with empty minds. That's of the world. So it's a meditation. That's yoga. For us, we meditate on things. The scriptures tell us we meditate on things. That thou give yourself wholly to them. And what happens? That thy profiting may appear. That means manifestation becomes obvious. When you learn to see it the right way, men start to see a manifestation of your life. They start to see something in your life happening that is godly. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, begin with a tree. See the man under the tree. After seeing that man under the tree, ask God, why am I seeing him under the tree? How is what I'm going to see more edifying and perfecting him for the work of ministry? Is it going to make him a better Christian? Is it going to make him stop cheating on his wife? Is it going to help him go back to his life as a minister and revisit his story? If that's it, then you're on the right road. Somebody say amen. Even in your life, whatever it is you see, let me tell you something about designing. Designment has called us to see things above the sword, not below the sword. Because the word of God is double-edged. You understand what I'm saying? The word of the Lord is double what? Edged. And that's why he says, I pray that you all speak in tongues, but above all that you all what? Prophesy. It's a gift, exhortation, comfort, and edification. Do you know why it's that? It's because it doesn't mean we cannot dig what's under the sword. Okay? But the mind of the spirit does not want to know how many men she has slept with. The divine instruction of principle is simple. Set your eyes on things above. Set your eyes on things above. Yes, you see the prostitute, but God sees the apostle. Can you raise the apostle? Do you know I hate seeing below the sword? Do you know I hate it? Me personally. It's because there's nothing I'll see that you already don't know. Fear as if you are. I don't know if I'm making sense. If you are a thief, you are. You are. One time I took a very immature mind one time and I prayed. I said, God, show me something about this. There was a lady I was praying for. And then I saw something and then I mentioned it. Pwah. Then the lady was like, oh my God. God told me, edify. <laughs> edify, boss. Edify. What's up? Where are you going? Where are you going? Why are you going? Read my word. Where are you going? You understand what I'm saying? Because in there, you might start to have another light. <laughs> in there, you might find another light. And before you know that, you're judging men not against truth, but against the ability of your human spirit to walk under which source? I don't know. Look at Jesus. How many times did he see above the sword? Many times. Many times. Even if he sees under, he wants to end with the above part. He says, okay, I see the devil save you like wheat. But when thou art restored, restore your own brethren. I see it. Do you see the end line? The end line is, yes, I've seen this, that you're going to be tormented of the devil. That's below the line. But what is above? There's a day you're going to be restored. And when thou art restored, restore thy brethren. That's a word of wisdom. Because it was a future experience. Word of knowledge, past. Do you understand what I'm saying? Perfecting the saints for the work of ministry to the edification of the body. Not just doing business. 
Because these are lives. Am I making sense? Let me define light for you. Let's open the book of Acts. <laughs> Listen to Paul's narration of the light. Acts chapter 22, verses 6. It says, and it came to pass. This is Paul. Listen. As I made my journey and was come nigh unto Damascus about noon. Mark the time. What time was it? Where is the sun at noon? 90 degrees, right? Now read. And it says, suddenly there shone a light. He says, from heaven, a great light above me. Now listen. And I fell on the ground and I heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Now I want you to listen to this. There was a sun up that day. And Paul says there was a great light that shone from up. It didn't know the sun. Some of you in the movies, you see the sun. You say light. Because everyone has their own definition of light. But look at this. He said it was noon, like it was during day. And he says, and a great light. Now, when a man calls light out of the sun and says that the sun was there, but there was a light that shined from above, it was not a normal light. It was not a normal light. And when Jesus appeared, first thing, divine purpose, why does thou persecutest me? Why are you persecuting me? And next verse says, listen, and I answered, who art thou, Lord? He knew it was the Lord. And he said unto me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. And they, listen, that were with me, so, what? Indeed the light, and they were afraid. But they had not the voice of him that spoke to me. They didn't hear. They just saw the light. But they did not hear the what? The voice of him that what? That spoke to him. Now, when the light came, it came with a word. I don't know if you understand what the light is. The word appeared. Christ appeared in the light. Not the man of God, not Apostle Grace. No, Christ appeared. Do you know why I rarely explain personal experiences? It is because one time the Lord was speaking to me about it. That sometimes we can misdirect men's eyes when we share our experiences. Sometimes. That's why when Paul comes to experiences, he says, oh, ho, ho, doubtless boast, I can boast. He gave one experience of the man in the third dimension. He didn't give many, but there were many more. But there was something God wanted to avoid because imagine the upper room experience. It was an experience. Upper room was an experience. And in the upper room, the Bible says it appeared unto them what? Cloven tongues of fire. And they all spake as they were aided by the Holy Ghost. And they spake in tongues. That was a wonderful experience. But when those men left the upper room, they didn't come out to speak the experience. What did they do? They spoke Christ. Because let me tell you, the total sum of experiences is the total sum of your revelation of the person of Christ. That's why Paul says that you might know in what I've said, my revelation of the person of Jesus Christ. Let the total sum of your message show that you have Christ revealed. You understand what I'm saying? Teach, preach, evangelize, heal, prophesy, but do everything in a way that will show that this guy has had experiences with God. There are things no man can think, even if you try. There are things that go beyond gifts. I'm a gifted teacher. I'm a gifted evangelist. I'm a gifted prophet. I'm a gifted pastor. I'm a gifted apostle. There are things that go beyond the gifted worshiper. These are relationships. 
Now a man goes out of there, sees things which are not lawful for a man to utter, and then he comes by wisdom to teach those things. And he says, well, how be to them which are mature, we impart this wisdom. Now, the end of the mature ones receive an impartation of wisdom, not necessarily with the explained experiences, but with the qualification of the spirit that indeed this woman has had an encounter with the most high God. You go into the upper room, experience, come out. What did Peter do? He just preached Christ. He, poof. That's why you see Paul, he says, when I was a minister, I sought to know nothing save Christ and him crucified. If you're a healing machine, heal after that, point to Christ. If you're a prophet, prophesy after your end of the word, point to Christ. If you're an apostle, the end of it is Christ. If you're a worshiper, the end of it is Christ. If you're an evangelist, do all the evangelism. The end of it is Christ and him crucified. He has to be crucified among his men. He's not a diviner. Jesus is not a diviner. Jesus is not a witch doctor who just wants to heal the sick. No. Jesus just doesn't want to entertain people. He wants to heal you, to be free. Remember Exodus said, set my people free that they may serve me. Every point of freedom points to service. Every point of freedom points to service. Now I don't understand how you can sit in a ministry for 20 years and still not be a servant and not know that you're bound. It's impossible. The reason why you don't serve is you're still bound in a certain way. And a man, it doesn't matter what happens in his life. If that man is a servant of God, trust me, there is freedom. They're free. They're free. But what do men of this world call freedom? A car. What do men of this world call freedom? A house. What do men of this world call freedom? Marriage. Yet there's a man who says, no, I make my decision not to get married. Why? For the sake of the gospel. Yet to certain men, it is freedom. And the place where things become permissible, but they stop to be beneficial. And Paul says, and I shall not be both subject under to any of those things, yet they are permissible to me. The reason why I'm sharing this is that I'm trying to open certain people's eyes to truth. The way we must see. How many souls are you winning? No. God just show me this. Show me. Show me. Okay, he shows you and you do what? And you win souls? You want to see that you what? Your business increases and you give more? Oh no. You want to see which man God has put for you? That you understand divine purpose of why God connected the two of you to get married? No. She just wants a man. Apostle, a man. Apostle. A man. Then she gets in marriage and then understands the cardinal principle. If you abide in me, husband, and my words abide in you. Because you came out. Stay in. I see many couples who are out of each other. <laughs> Even the way they act. You see that she's out of him or he's out of her. They are not in consonance with ministry and divine purpose. So what did you get married for? I just wanted, I was tired of being lordly. <laughs> I was tired of being lordly. Let me tell you, there is nothing you want that God cannot satisfy you with. Nothing. Before you meet the man. Why? Because the Bible says, ye are complete in him. Oh, no. And then she says his wife, my wife, you complete me. <laughs> then he tells the husband, you complete me too, darling. No, 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 no. You come in marriage complete. Then you get together and make complete babies, complete ministry. Complete money, complete everything. Somebody say, that's me they're talking about. Say, that's me. That is me in the name of Jesus. We redefine marriage then. 
that every time a couple gets married, ministry increases. But today, when people get married, they stop going to church. They start making babies, and then they detach themselves from ministry. From which light? If two are better than one, if one chases a thousand and two chases ten thousand, oh boy, if the man was pastoring 20 members and he met you, he must pastor 20,000. Somebody that day was giving a narration of Michelle Obama. She was with her husband in a restaurant. And then some guy came in. And then she told Barack Obama. It's a story somebody told me. She told Obama, can you believe that that guy was trying to hit on me once? And then Obama said, hey, it means that if you would have married him, you would have missed to marry the president of America. And Michelle says, no, 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 no. He would have been president. You understand? She knew He would have been president. <laughs> she feels the thing is on her. <laughs> she shall do her husband good all the days of her Her husband shall be called in the courts. Her husband, so I understand. Her husband, her husband shall be honored. And called blessed in the courts. Her husband. <laughs> her husband. Come and receive it. In the name of Jesus. He's known. Her husband. He's known. He's known. So he's known because he's her husband. Praise God. Anyway. Back to the point. Now. The irony of this is. Listen to Paul's testimony. And they that was with me, verse 9, saw, they saw indeed the light and were afraid, but they had not the voice of him that spake. Huh? Now let's go to Acts 9, verse 3. And as he journeyed, this is somebody narrating, he came near Damascus and suddenly there shined around him about a light from heaven. Okay? And he fell on the earth and heard a voice. This is somebody narrating that he heard a voice saying unto him, So, so, why persecutest thou me? And verse 5 says, and he said, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I'm Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard of thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, arise and go into the city, and it shall be told unto thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him, listen, stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. Now listen, Paul says they didn't hear the voice, but they heard a voice. <laughs> I don't know if you understand. They heard a voice. Do you understand? Meaning, it's probable that when Jesus appeared to Paul, it sounded like, and they that were with him heard a voice. <laughs> but in that light, what do you want with me? Go to Jerusalem. See, that part where men hear, oh, you remember when the Holy Spirit came from heaven? The Bible says in John, they had a thunder. You see, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. There's a voice there. But some guys in the same group just had thunder. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, if you start to enter certain places, certain things start to open your eyes to say, hey, really? Now I understand why Corinthians says the eye may be many voices in this world, but there's none without signification. 
God can speak through thunder. And then you think the guy didn't hear God. Kumbe when thunder hit, wah, the guy had an instruction. He had an instruction. So I don't judge men on how they hear. No, I just look at truth. Where is that for the perfecting of the saint for the work of ministry? But look at this light. This light, when it came from above, it outshined the sun. You understand what I'm saying? And that was the beginning of the man's running blind. Immediately. Because no physical eye could see that light and stay awake. And what was God's important interest? Kill a certain eye and open a certain eye. That's the beginning of salvation. Salvation is when one eye is killed and then another eye in God is open. And that eye must be of truth. Christ, dead and resurrected. Let me tell you, when these experiences come, the end of it is not boasting in them because Paul called it boasting. If it's not divine purpose, if it is not perfecting, that's why when I share an experience, you notice I always attach it to a certain message. Not just to vindicate me as a man of God. No, I already have enough vindication. <laughs> Started to be approved unto God. You understand? It? God has already approved me before you approve me. He has already said, Grace will make a preach. You understand? The stamp is already there. And that's why I want you who seek to be approved of men. You might stand on the pulpit of Almighty God and find yourself seeking to deliver, to please. That's why many people err. Why do you think was the problem of Balaam? They demanded a prophecy when he couldn't feel it. And he said, what? I have to wire. What did he do? He went into the gain sayings of Korah, received something, and then brought it on the table. But he was a true prophet of God. But the pressure was too much deliver. And that delivering thing can put you at a certain place. And that anger, the anger that they're demanding, the people are demanding, that anger that the people are demanding something from you. When that anger springs in, man of God, oh man of God, the first thing you do is go to a place of solitude. Because that anger can cost you the promise. It can affect your whole entire pattern of life and your destiny. Look at Moses. They just annoyed him, but he said, these people are too much. And then he just gets the rock. And God tells him, you're not going to see the promised land. Why? He was angry. People demanded. People demanded. So Sam, if he doesn't strike the rock three times, he will yield to another spirit. The way you respond under pressure is key when you're a minister of the Holy Spirit. Me, I don't push it because I have to please you. It's there, it's there. If I don't feel it, it's not. Period. Look for one who has it. You understand? Because God is not stock exchange. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? Even God sometimes can appear not to be talking to you. You know what I mean that he doesn't want to talk? No. Every time you're pushed at a place where you are required to perform, you're going to walk out of the grace of Christ's sufficiency if you don't know how to respond to that. The ability is, always look at the spirit that is putting a demand on you. Why does he want it? Does he want it to build the kingdom of God? Or he wants it because he wants to become a better apostle, a better teacher, a better prophet. But you see, it's very, very key because it's a thin line between hearing God and hearing another spirit. Because once that demand sets in Balaam, the next thing you know, he's in the gain sayings of Korah. He says, Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain and run after greedily after the error of Balaam for reward and perish in the gain sayings of Korah. 
Balaam was a true prophet. He was a true man of God. He designed in the spirit. But there was a demand on him that did not qualify him to speak in a certain level of maturity to know what he ought to do. What did he do? He instead said, okay, I'll push this gift. And then before you know that, he yielded to another spirit. And they did not know. In the book of Revelation, what you call the Balaam spirit became a doctrine. It's taught on pulpits. And a man says, last night the Lord gave me a message. And he stands on the pulpit. You read it. But I have a few things against thee. Because has there them that hold the what? The doctrine of Balaam. The false spirit on the prophet came and sat on the teacher. And can sit on the evangelist. And can sit on the pastor. And what happens? Who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel? Now when the scriptures tell you he taught... Wait. But I called this guy and told him, cast for me, Israel. And the man goes to God and says, and God tells him, I cannot cast whom I have. Blessed. When Balaam realized that God couldn't, and there was a demand on Balak to reward the guy, what did he do? By now, Revelation. That's why it's the book of Revelation. Not Revelations, but Revelation. What Balak did is he went to another spirit and contacted it. And then after that, came and told Balak, even though God cannot curse whom he has blessed, I can teach you how to create a stumbling block. Who was that? A prophet. If it sits on a teacher. And what was a stumbling block? Putting a curse on them which God has blessed. And sometimes it happens in your teachings. Some of you go to churches where they teach you about generational curses. It's a spirit. And somebody says, me, God showed it to me that if I teach about demons, people will be free. And then they scream and fall. Ah, boy, we are anointed. You come with your spirit and we show you. But the point here is that a Christian who is supposed to be free gets into bondage by what they're taught. And they don't even know the difference. How can you tell a man, if a man is born again, he is a new creation. In Christ. Behold, all things are passed away. And behold, you see it with your eyes of the spirit. All things become new. And all things are of God. Now if this man is of God, how then can you tell him now you have a generational curse? Except if you see from another eye. And trust me, they see. Even as we used to see. Let me tell you, if you take me under the sword, many of you know. I can see that you were raped, and then your mother, then your father did witchcraft. I see all that. But you realize when I'm talking to you about it, usually I say, okay, I see the witchcraft, but this is it. One time I was praying for a certain guy, and then I saw some auntie of his doing witchcraft. And I said, I see an auntie, she has hands, what? She's doing things. Oh, yes, that's my auntie, by the way, suspected. The next thing I know, the whole family was broken up. And God told me, that's stupid. That's stupid. Okay, you saw the auntie, but what was the point? Even me, God, I know the auntie but she also needs salvation. He does not will that any man perish. So if I say that lately, I end on, okay, I see the witchcraft and I know the person, but can we pray? Because God can shield that person, you, and then get to the witchcraft mama, follows her up also and deals with her and saves both and takes them to heaven. But because my eye is not whole, what do I do? I separate families. Let her die. Die. <laughs> And then you hear people, I went to a prophet, and then they told me, who is bewitching me? Okay, now, when you know who is bewitching you? Uh-huh. <laughs> Let me tell you, there are people, and this is true, there are people God can't allow to know because they are too young to contain 
eat and they cannot move in the spirit of love. Some of us, we know people who do, my goodness, my goodness. Sometimes I'm in my bed and I see people conversing and God tells me, you can handle this grace, love them. And then you come the next morning and bless the guy who spoke against you. Why? Because you now have the spirit enough to sustain and love. Many Christians, I saw her talking about me. I'm not going to talk to her anymore. Ha <laughs> ha! Your eye. That's another light. That's another light. We don't hate them because they spoke about us. We love them more for God so loved the world and gave his only begotten son. Is there a ministry one time? One people don't attend Apostle Grace's meetings. I signed a check for them the next day. I said, God, now, since they are going to do something like evangelism, let me sign. I put coals of fire on them. They are burning them. They don't even know what's on their heads, but they can't sleep. <laughs> now, if I was like some people, the Lord showed me. Those guys, even me, I'm not going to talk to them. They're going to be my friends. No, no, no. Listen, if God knows that you're not that mature, he's fair not to show you. Because people can be evil. So it's not enough to know it's true or not. It's not. What's the point? Where is it going? All things work together. Even the one who talked. <laughs> Even the one who didn't talk. All things. You see, now the sure word of prophecy comes in and tells you, boss, even when they say that about you, it's still working for your good. What do you do? You let go. You move on. You smile. You smile. Then you say, I'm bigger than this. That's called maturity. That's the right eye. You understand what I'm trying to tell you? That's called the right what? The right eye. Now I'm going to finish. The next thing you know, when Ananias comes to the man of the light, who had the right light, the next thing you know, immediately, his eye is open to be a witness of those things that Christ has shown him and in those things in which he will appear unto them. And that means from that day, experiences are going to happen like that, like that one light. There are many other things in which Christ will appear to them. And don't limit God to the face. Some of you, when you don't see the face, then someone says, I saw Jesus. He appeared unto me on Thursday night. Wow, even me, God appeared to me. He's always there. <laughs> but when he shows you the tree, you think it's your imagination. He just wants to make sure you can hear. So as it can explain, okay, when you see this tree, this tree represents this. It can represent that and that. And then before you know that, everything is connected together. But some of you, if it doesn't come with the hair, trust me, the experiences of the hair, I have had a few of the hair, and he comes in form. But the majority of experiences I've had are things in which he has appeared. And men, when you follow that line, you'll see Christ every day. And every time that light shines, the word of the Lord comes in your spirit. And the multitude of that word you shall speak. That is why when a man speaks from experiences, you can know he experiences Christ every day. That's why some of you can't preach every day. Because you can't see every day. There are occasions. But Paul used to speak for six hours. Do you know why I'm saying that? It is because the Lord has spoken to me that in the last days, eh, the gift of designing of spirits, it's coming back so heavily on the church. It's coming so heavily on the body of Christ, but it is important whether you're a teacher, pastor, evangelist, whatever you are, that once it comes, you have a certain stability. Your eye. Because many of them begin as Balaam. He says, I cannot curse whom the Lord has blessed. And then you see him in the next verse prophesying of the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He speaks of the root of Jesse. Then in a few minutes, he's in another spirit, and they cannot tell the difference. 
They cannot. Why? Because he spoke about the coming of the Christ and it was true. There's a very thin line, by the way, in the spirit world between light and darkness. Ask any man who has walked there, really walked, not imagined walking, really walked there. Praise the Lord. So, I pray for you in the name of Jesus. So I be single. And the Bible says in Corinthians that God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, the Bible says, has shined in our hearts. When he does, what happens? He gives light to the knowledge of the glory of God. He just didn't give light to men under the tree only. He didn't end by showing you only who ate the food and who didn't. No. When the light shines in our hearts, he gives the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. By what eye do you see? I pray you'll see. You'll know who didn't eat. You'll know who is under the tree. You'll see things that will cause men to believe that there is a God. I pray that you'll have supernatural experiences with God and that you'll give men words that are accurate of knowledge, words of knowledge and words of wisdom. You'll know what happened to them when they were five. You'll know what happened to them when they were six. You'll know what happened to them when they were 17. But after that, when the light starts out to shine out of you, it will always focus on the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. That you'll see greater things. What is that woman's call? That you'll see greater things. What is that man's destiny? That you'll see greater things. Let me tell you something, saints. There's one word you can say in a man's life and it aligns his calling. And that calling brings everything. Some words of knowledge and prophecy are bigger than the other. It's one thing for God to sort your family. It's another for God to give you salvation and many things accompany that salvation. I pray you see greater things. I pray you see greater things. Greater things. Somebody say, I receive greater things in the name of Jesus. Greater things. I want to know how to perfect the saints for the work of ministry. I want to walk in your perfection, my Lord, in the name of Jesus. If I have yielded to another spirit that is not of you, now I detach myself. God is delivering somebody. Listen, if you've been functioning under another spirit that is not the spirit of God, it doesn't matter how accurate. Tonight, unless you love it so much, let go of it. Greater things await you. Greater things await you. You're raising apostles. You're raising teachers. You're raising evangelists. You're raising pastors. You're raising a nation. Somebody say, I receive it. I receive it. Listen to me. Let me be very clear on this that I've mentioned it many times. I'm not against accurate prophecy. I'm not against true prophecy. I'm not against details. I love details. Call the numbers out. Call everything. I love it. But at the end, that light must also give the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. It must perfect the saint for the work of ministry. Don't ask for something that is not going to perfect saints because you're a minister. 
you minister. You minister. Somebody say, I receive in the name of Jesus of the truth of God. My eye is single. It is aligned to divine truth. I see things above the sword in the name of Jesus. Somebody say, Amen. Hallelujah. Listen, if there is anybody here and you say, I want to be born again, I say, repeat these words after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe with my heart and I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. From today, I am born again. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Amen. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero. Make manifest.